to another episode of the Blockchain Story. Uh, this episode is going to be in English because we have a very special guest here. Uh, it's Mona Elisa. Uh, very pl- uh, it's a big pleasure to have you here today. Hi, Mona. Thanks. It's great to be here and I'm glad to learn it's in English. <laughs> That's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, very happy to do it in English uh, because it's, it's great to have you here. I've been um, looking at what you're doing uh, the last years um, and it's very interesting to have you here today to talk about that, those things. Um, but maybe as a short introduction, the Blockchain Story is about Uh, having chats with people in the digital asset and blockchain space. And Mona Lisa is a person that has been in the space uh, quite early on. Um, you co-founded a company called Melonport at that time. Um, it, it got rebranded to Enzyme and you are now heading a company that's related to that project. We'll talk about that um, called Avantgarde Finance. Um, and you are very much into the space of on-chain asset management. So very Correct. much blockchain focused, but your original background is actually in traditional finance, right? Having been at the investment bank um, of Goldman Sachs, right? Um, that's a bit what, what everyone can know about you. Um, but <laughs> what are the things that people actually don't know about you? Is there something what people don't know out? about me? Uh, I guess, um, yeah, many people kind of uh, don't know where I'm from originally. So mm-hmm. I'm originally Palestinian. Okay. Um, although I was born in England and. Uh, grew up in many different countries. So in England, I'm called American. Uh, they think I'm American. In America, they think I'm English. In Switzerland, <laughs> they have no idea. <laughs> um, so that's, I guess, one one thing. Uh, mm-hmm. The other uh, thing that I think people don't know about me, and actually, I think you just learned it before the interview, was that I, is that I have two kids, two mm-hmm. young kids. One of them is nearly four. One of mm-hmm. them is seven months old. Um, and um, really, it makes uh, being an entrepreneur look easy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think uh, those, uh, I'll stop there. I think those are kind of the two facts that mm-hmm. come to mind. I was saying you have your origins in traditional finance. Um, what is it, what you learned there and your experiences you made in that space that, that made you make that shift to the, the blockchain finance space? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, you know, I started my career managing money at Goldman. So I, I, I was a trader and uh, managed money, a pretty large book for them. Um, and in 2011, I got hired by one of the hedge fund clients we had mm-hmm. to go and work for him in Geneva. That was actually my first entrance into Geneva. Mm-hmm. And uh, I managed money for them for four years. And aside from all the investing and the trading experience I got, I really was about to learn my biggest lesson still after leaving. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I left uh, Jabber, Mm -hmm. um, I left because I was approached by a family office Mm -hmm. um, and they wanted me to launch a long short equity fund for them. And they said, we'll seed you $20 million. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, that sounds great. It's uh, less money than I'm used to, but Mm -hmm. this is a start and it's my fund. I'm my, you know, I'm, uh, this is my first entrepreneurial mm-hmm. project and I think I have that entrepreneurial spirit. So I said, let's do it. I mean, I've always done so well in my career. Mm-hmm. What could possibly go wrong? And uh, actually, the lesson of that year was probably the biggest of my life. It was um, a, a massive failure. Mm-hmm. But again, you don't learn unless you have failures in your career and life in general. Um, and um, what I learned was that setting up a fund from scratch, especially if it's a small fund, mm-hmm very high barriers to entry, very costly, takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. And then once it's up and running, oh my God, the maintenance, the operational mm-hmm. administrative maintenance, uh, everything in traditional finance in, is done in you know steel booking trades on paper. Uh, you have a, 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 to fill out a spreadsheet at the end of the day for every single trade you did, 40 columns for each trade you mm-hmm. did. In equities, one way, in, in futures, another way, in FX, another way, in uh, options, another mm-hmm. way. 
So good luck. I mean, you know, you, you could often find me in the office until 11 p.m. You often found me in the office in the weekends. Could not afford, you know, the, the number of staff to help me mm -hmm. that I would have needed at that size of a mm -hmm. fund. Now, when you remember, when you think of like big funds or big uh, asset management companies, they typically have about five support mm -hmm. people per investment professional. Okay. So what I learned in that year was, oh my God, we are so backwards. It's like mm -hmm. the only sector in the whole world that hasn't been disrupted mm -hmm. by technology. I could not believe. Um, and so actually I decided to close the fund after that year. And uh, that led me, um, I decided to take some time out. And mm -hmm. it was that time out that gave me the space to discover uh, Bitcoin first and mm -hmm. then blockchain. And um, as soon as I discovered it, I couldn't stop reading about it. But of course, it was so technical back then. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't understand half of it. So I decided I'm going to get on a plane back to uh, Crypto Valley. Okay. And I'm going to immerse myself in the scene mm -hmm. and get them to teach me things and I'll teach them things. And, you know, and, uh, and that's what happened. That's how I came about. But uh, I think the ideas that followed later with Melon and later mm -hmm. Enzyme really uh, were inspired by that failure, you know, yeah. by all the challenges that I met. Yeah. How did you make this, this bridge from like learning about Bitcoin to realizing that the technology behind it might be a big potential for, for the problems you, you faced earlier? Is that by talking to the people you were uh, mentioning or how did you? I, did, I didn't. That? So it wasn't like I didn't stumble on Bitcoin because I thought it was a solution. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's a funny story. I, I have my brother works in Google for yeah. the last 15 years and uh, we were having dinner. He hates people in finance. So <laughs> I was in finance and he's in Google and he was telling me how evil I was. <laughs> and then he asked me, what do I think of Bitcoin? And I told him I didn't know. And he laughed mm -hmm. and he said, uh, I can't believe you call yourself a finance person <laughs> and you've never heard of Bitcoin. So, of course, I never had time to research it when I was working. Mm -hmm. But after I left, I said, okay, I have to, I have to find a good response for my brother. So <laughs> I started uh, reading it for that mm -hmm. reason. Yeah. But then as I read more, the more I read, the more I loved. And then I looked at Ethereum. And then when I understood smart contracts and ICOs and token issuances, I said, wow, the future of assets is digital. Mm -hmm. And smart contracts can help massively automate the entire operational and administrative side of finance. Mm -hmm. And this is so powerful because it means that small, medium-sized businesses can scale much faster, especially in the asset management space, because the underlying fixed and variable costs in finance are so high now because mm -hmm. the processes are so old-fashioned. Mm -hmm. Can you uh, tell us a bit about the, the technology or, or also the business case behind Melon and Enzyme or what you were trying to do, or trying to build with that technology and, and which problems you're trying to solve? Yeah, so um, we, we, from my perspective, what I was trying to solve was this problem of automation. Mm -hmm. So what I was always very excited about was we can create an asset management protocol that automates all the really boring stuff that normally you have to hire people to do mm -hmm. manually. So we enable the protocol enables people to set up an investment vehicle, a fund, for example, enables you to configure any parameter you want, like who's allowed to invest in that mm -hmm. fund, what management fee you want to charge, what performance fee you want to charge, um, what the manager is and isn't allowed to do, if there's a stop loss, all these kind of things that you mm -hmm. get in traditional finance, except the beautiful thing is that all of these rules are in code, in, in smart contracts to mm -hmm. be specific, and they're enforced by blockchain technology. So it's super secure, you can have this um, uh, fund structure which can only manage digital assets, mm -hmm. um, 
it's non-custodial, so it means people have the right, not the obligation, but the right to keep hold of their own assets at all times without trusting an intermediary. Mm -hmm. You completely eliminate counterparty risk because you're only uh, trading with kind of decentralized exchanges and DEXs and using blockchain technology to settle. And you have full transparency at all times, which you don't get in traditional finance. Mm -hmm. You know, in traditional finance, you're lucky if a fund publishes an app once a month or once a quarter. In our world, you have an app every 14 seconds, every time the blockchain mm -hmm. new block updates. Now you were mentioning you were managing money before and suddenly you were managing uh, a tech business, tech yeah. company. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a very difficult transition as well in terms of people you are uh, working together in terms of, of way of work? Massively. For me, I found it personally very difficult. Mm. Um, okay, I think the first thing that suffers is I had a bit of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I come from a field which I know inside out and I'm in a field which I mm -hmm. uh, can barely understand what they're talking about if I listen to two uh, software engineers discussing with each other. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was very challenging. And sometimes um, I think it was a it, it took me a couple of years to really get the confidence that I needed in order to thrive. Mm -hmm. um, I made mistakes, hiring mistakes. You know, I mean, most of my company, actually most of my company was the engineers. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so I made mistakes on hiring, uh, assessing people's ability. Um, but what I found is is at some point, um, um, you know, the way to overcome confidence is to is to join them, right? To, mm -hmm. to, to teach yourself about the code. And mm -hmm. it, it was just like a relentless kind of uh, asking questions, um, you know, studying kind of in the evenings, mm -hmm. taking a coding course in the evenings, etc. And and uh, ultimately, I think what I came to realize eventually was that sure, I might not be the world's best developer, but I have a bunch of other experience mm -hmm. in life. And unlike most people in the space who come in very young, most of them haven't failed yet. And yeah. I think the failure still to this day has probably been one of my biggest uh, yeah. lessons. And what do you manage to do? What, what I um, see in other companies in the sector, what a lot of um, companies so manage to do is having this decentralized mind uh, also bring to the company, yeah. right? A lot of people coming from the financial sector, um, us included probably in, in the projects we are doing, um, you still have this this silo thinking uh, somehow that you, you try to, to build a company, right? A, a traditional yeah. company. But what you did from very early on is thinking in a decentralized ecosystem way. Um, also with having these protocols, which you then uh, release uh, to, the, to the public, uh, which is a totally new way to do things, right? Did you yeah. have that thinking in mind all the time or was it also like getting into the space and somehow? Um, yeah, um, I would say that um, I mean, we were the first to ever decentralize the DeFi mm -hmm. protocol. I think we were the first in history. Um, it was uh, it was an experience because we were the first. It had never been done before, <laughs> so we had to design our governance. And um, I think on balance, we've had a good experience. But um, it, yeah, it's something that I mean, you know, one of the big kind of drivers behind DeFi is that um, you know you want to eliminate kind of centralized power, centralized uh, decision making. Um, and I think that works to a degree. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think that the DAO is a very good, we are now a DAO, I think 13 members on the DAO, maybe mm -hmm. more. Um, very good at kind of saying no to certain things that don't mm -hmm. make sense and supporting things that do make sense. And yes, ultimately we gave back uh, power. Um, however, I said, I, I think that uh, um, 
DAOs still struggle a bit with this, the efficiency mm-hmm. that centralized companies have. You know, decision, being able to make decisions quickly and react mm-hmm. quickly to things because every time you need to have a, a vote and a discussion and 13 people need to get up to speed and those 13 people have other full-time jobs. and um, So it, it has been an interesting experience. I think one of the reasons that I decided to found Avantgarde Finance after we decentralized the protocol mm-hmm was to say, okay, so now we decentralized the protocol, but maybe now avant-garde finance can play a role in the ecosystem, mm-hmm. like anyone else is free to, and uh, help move things along quicker. Yeah. So, you know, take a little bit of a leadership role, and at any point, if the DAO doesn't agree with the way we're doing things, it can remove us from mm-hmm. the equation. Yeah, okay. And can you tell us a bit about the new company, avant-garde finance, what you are uh, trying to achieve with it, and, and how the, the, the business works there? Yeah, so Avantgarde has evolved a bit in the last three and a half mm-hmm. years. So initially, we were doing, we've been doing a lot of the core development work for Enzyme, and sometimes other projects as well, not just Enzyme, but primarily Enzyme. Um, about 12 to 18 months ago, mm-hmm. we realized that, okay, we have this great port protocol, we are super proud of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's the only decentralized asset management protocol around today, mm-hmm. even though in 2016, when I founded it, at one point, there were 14 competitors. Okay. So, you know, we've we've survived three mm-hmm. bear markets so far. Um, and I said, okay, well, why? You know, we've we've done well, but we haven't done amazing. Why is that? And uh, I realized um, that maybe it's because people are afraid of the regulatory consequences. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest questions we get is, how do I set up a, a DeFi fund compliantly? Mm-hmm. And either you have to. Do the, the regulator tells you, you have to go through the traditional route, get the fund administrator, get a mm-hmm. custodian, get a la la la, get a license. And then I'm like, well, if I do that, then I take away all the benefits of blockchain, mm-hmm. which is automating these things, giving self-custody, and all of these things have fees. And I can do, my protocol can do these things for you automated and much lower cost. So I keep saying like, that doesn't work for us. Yeah. Like, sorry, but if we're going to do it that way, then... No, there's no point yeah. to this protocol. So I said, let's finally solve this problem. Let's go out there and let's figure this out. And eventually, working with lots of different regulators, we found a, a solution which we're building out into a platform, mm-hmm. which um, does have a regulated compliance layer around mm-hmm. it, but a very light one, and enables people to set up funds compliantly mm-hmm. uh, in very short time. So instead of taking six to 12 months, you can do it in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, more than 50-60% cheaper than if you did it in the traditional finance mm-hmm. way and still preserving, preserving the values of DeFi, i.e. I- eliminating the counterparty risk and still being able to hold self-custody of the assets. So uh, going forward, you're not only hosting the technology or hosting, but, but not only providing with the protocol you built the te- te- technological framework, but also somehow a regulatory uh, umbrella for the hosting. Yeah, so the, the protocol is open source, anyone yeah. can use it however they want, but if people are struggling how to use it compliantly and yeah. they don't want to do that work themselves, they'll be able to plug into our kind yeah. of umbrella structure, our platform, and uh, set up and manage uh, the yeah. funds compliantly. And you're not yet live with that, right? Or gonna go this is actually uh, something that's pre-launch, uh, that yeah. we're hoping to announce actually in Switzerland in June, so okay. with much more information. And jurisdiction-wise, is it like a specific jurisdiction? I'm going to launch the fund then, or is it? Yeah, our first jurisdiction was an offshore jurisdiction, yeah. although we have been in talks with FINMA mm-hmm. and other regulators around the world. Ultimately, we hope to get to a place where we have more than one mm-hmm. option. FINMA have been really helpful and open-minded, but they are quite slow mm-hmm. compared to other jurisdictions to respond. Um, but I'm confident that we'll get there soon. Yeah. 
you also co-founded an association in Switzerland called Mama. Uh, yeah. How and that what was like one goal of that association was to lobby and bring that on-chain asset management topic forward. Yeah. Is that working or it's just very slow? Yeah, it's okay. working, but these things take time. Yeah. I really, uh, you know, and I'm, um, and it's also a very collective effort. I think we can't move, we can't change the world alone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Hans Jörg, uh, who runs the association yeah. on a day to day basis, he's um, forged some very good relationship with other associations. He works closely with the um, Asset Management uh, Association of Switzerland, mm -hmm. nothing to do with blockchain, just the normal yeah. asset management. Also, um, some other initiatives in Europe and also the US and I think collectively you know what we've done is we've made a name for ourselves we have this niche mm -hmm. where we are really the experts on on-chain asset management um, but we have to work with other bigger more powerful associations let's say um, who don't necessarily have the expertise but um, maybe have more influence mm -hmm. than, than MAMA does. Can you detail a bit on like the main pain points in terms of regulatory frameworks that are currently or should have to be changed in order to make it easier to be compliant? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, when, when you ask, uh, this isn't just in Switzerland, you, mm -hmm. you see this in many places. When you ask a regulator, well, I'd like to do this thing on the blockchain, mm -hmm. which is related to finance, how do I do it? And they will typically just say, oh, well, the rules are clear, just go and read them and, mm -hmm. and uh, follow the rules. Um, and then you go and read the rules and you're like, oh, this is so painful because the rules, um, the rules impose all of this unnecessary fat, mm -hmm. you know, that's not necessary anymore because we can automate it with smart contracts. Mm -hmm. So then you go back and you try to explain to them and then say, well, you know, you're just going to have to follow the rules mm -hmm. and you do basically don't, there's no, it has been difficult to have a conversation or it's taken a lot of work to have a conversation. So then you say, okay, maybe the regulator is not the place to start. Maybe we should start with the legislators. Mm -hmm. And then um, that's something we have also been involved in. Um, but legislation moves so slowly it's and it's so political. Um, so, you know, we make like little yeah. adjustments, but I think the key thing is you cannot expect um, regulations as they exist today, which were based designed for a paper-based industry full of intermediaries mm -hmm. to be applicable for the digital asset economy. Digital assets have completely different assumptions underlying, completely different risks associated with them, and therefore a much lighter, reg uh, smart contracts to a large degree can regulate, on mm -hmm. uh, automate regulation, and the parts that it can't regulate it are very few. Yeah. And so it requires a much lighter regime in order to be able for the economies to be able to fully uh, take advantage of uh, the innovations that yeah. have happened in the last few years. Okay, and if you look at traditional asset managers today, most of them they haven't even yet started looking at the asset class itself. Um, no, but they all have a head of digital assets <laughs> now. Yeah, they, they at least the big ones, right? Yeah. But if if I look at the asset management landscape in Switzerland, where you have a lot of like smaller players, yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're not looking at the technology yet. Um, they start maybe asking, okay, what is it? How does it impact my business? What would you tell them? Like, what should they do? Not having any know-how of blockchain technology, but somehow seeing, okay, that might change my line of work a bit. What can they do? You know, I think if they're not in um, alternative investments, mm -hmm. it's probably not very much at this point. If you're, if you're doing equities or mm -hmm. fixed income and you're a small to medium fund, 
there's probably not a lot that the blockchain can solve for you today, although yeah. I believe that would be look very different in five to ten years. However, if you're an alternative manager and specifically you're uh, interested in, in um, digital assets as a, as a strategy, as an offering to your clients, I think there's a lot you can be doing. And also using, now independent of where you're investing in, but using the technology, um, I understand that if you want to do on-chain asset management, currently it's limited to tokenized assets underlying, yeah. right? But um, if you are in that segment, if you can in, uh, make alternative investment strategies, how take how can they enter that space? Should they like s simply set up an account and try to do an on-chain asset management uh, on the on the platforms th that you are working on, or are there any easier options? Or, or I think ours will be the easiest option yeah. available if you want to do it in a decentralized way mm -hmm. or in a, in or leveraging kind of purpose-built technology. Yeah. Um, if you go down the you know institutional route, uh, not a centralized route. Yeah, it's possible, but it's basically uh, replicating the old structure. Yeah. So it's not using purpose-built technology. So you're forced into a lot more um, operational admin headaches than you actually mm -hmm. need. Um, so and also fees. So you know, for example, you know, the fund is forced to use a custodian. Mm -hmm. A custodian probably charges fifty bips a year. That's before any other costs, right? Yeah. Um, in our world, you know, there is no custodian. It's the blockchain. There's the smart contract, right? and you get back a fund token. Now, if you're not comfortable with self-custody, you can put your fund token with any custodian you like, and then you don't have to worry about it, but we don't oblige you to. Yeah. So if you want to reduce that 50 bips and you're, you know, you're, you're well-informed on how to keep your key security, that's already a big saving. Yeah. Then uh, you, know, you, you have um, uh, the elimination of, of counterparty risk, you have um, um, legal side of things. I mean, setting up a fund, you have to think all the jurisdictions. You have to research which one is best for you and which ones are the pros and cons. And but before you know it, you're hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees, and you still don't have a clear answer. Um, it takes a lot of time. You know. So I guess what I like to think is that we've done a lot of that research for people. Mm -hmm. And if you're excited about launching an on-chain fund that has no counterparty risk and that, that can empower the idea of self-custody, which by the way is, is, is kind of the reason that most of us got into this space because mm -hmm. we got excited about the idea of self-custody, um, then I think that our platform today is probably the only one that will service that kind of solution. Mm -hmm. But there are, there are other ways, they just have more friction and more yeah. costs. Okay. Um, maybe um, to go to the end, if you look those five to two, ten years, um, you were saying it might look different a bit then. Yeah. Um, how do you think the asset management industry will, will evolve, be it in like five or, or ten years, uh, once the technology can actually be used also in, the, in, the, in a compliance sense? So I think that's really interesting. So what you said before, you know, it, I think the really, the really big move for the space is when many more real world assets are digitalized. Mm -hmm. So when you have a digital share of uh, digital share class of Apple stock or a digital share class of uh, Google sh shares, and anything, you know, right now we're kind of very much still limited to native crypto tokens. Mm -hmm. um, we are starting to see some real world assets come in, like there's now four projects doing um, tokenized treasuries. Mm -hmm. um, we have like seen J.P. Morgan launch a bond on the Ethereum blockchain, mm -hmm. you know. No. We've seen, you know, we've seen some efforts. I think Sockgen, BNP have done some things, um, but it's still very nascent. We're far away from, you know, every single S&P stock being available on chain. Or so, in terms of 
where how does it look five ten years from now? I think that that will become will be much closer. That reality will be much closer where real world assets mm -hmm. are on chain, and as a result, now every asset manager should be looking at it, and the large ones in particular, if they are not looking at it, um, then. Uh, th they risk overcome by competitors who yeah. are who are you know who are providing the same products for lower cost mm -hmm. or more transparency or zero counterparty risk. So I think that it's going to be an interesting decade. Yeah. Looking uh, very much forward to seeing how the, the, the space, the industry evolves. Uh, thanks a lot for your insight. It was Thank very you. interesting. It's great uh, to be here. <laughs> thanks, Mona, for the talk. Thank you very much. <clears throat>